the Inquisition. Let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. We're gonna teach them wrong from right. We're gonna help them see the light and make an offer that they can't refuse. That the Jews just can't refuse. Confess. Don't be boring. Say yes. Don't be dull. A fact you're ignoring. Hey everybody, sorry I'm late. I had this brilliant idea that you could make more money on Broadway with a flop than a hit, so I recruited this young and experienced guy to help me out, and we did it. We made the worst play that had ever been made, only it turns out it was a hit! Ugh, you're listening to Donovan's computer go off. You're also listening to This Film Has Not Yet Created, the podcast where we make movie sequels to movies that never had sequels. I'm Chris Rivas, and with me as always is my co-host, Mr. Steve Grande. Hi, sorry I'm late, but uh, me and my merry men need to put on our tights and go save Maid Marian. <laughs> and this week we have a very, very funny comedian, a great friend of the show. He uh, is an improviser, he's a writer, he's an actor in movies that you can find on Netflix. He is originally a transplant from Florida. And, of course, I am talking about the very fat, talented... I was going to say funny. Fat, <laughs> fat talented. <laughs> All of those calories is bits, ladies. <laughs> uh, Mr. Donovan Mullins. Donovan Mullins, a.k.a. Tub of Fun, a.k.a. A.k.a. the keg instead of a six-pack, a.k.a. Um, the fatter I get, the funnier I am. <laughs> Guys, sorry I'm late. I just got done um, waking up in the morning. I checked my mailbox after wishing so much that I had a lot of money because my parents didn't give me a lot. So I found this blank check in the freaking yes. mailbox. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write in the numbers, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Turned it in, got that money. Turns out that money also belonged to a bunch of criminals that stole that money and was going to take it out of a bank. So here I am. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you escaped those criminals. <laughs> oh, they, it was it was almost Home Alone-esque how I got through. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was shoot me. I yeah, was only eight when it happened. You got to ride in some go-karts, though, right? Um, They were my go-karts. Yeah, Let exactly. that be known because they, they were in did, my backyard. Yeah. Did yeah. you have a slide from your window to the pool? <laughs> Do you think I'm an amateur? <laughs> I got a blank check as a 30-year-old man. You didn't think I put one of those in my window? Yes, I surely did. That's my biggest life goal, is yeah. to have a slide through my window. I want a 60-inch television in my bathroom so I can shit and watch X-Files at the same time. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 That's my life. Uh, this week, uh, believe it or not, we're not just talking blank check. We're also talking <laughs> History of the World Part 1. Ugh. So the good. Mel Brooks classic. Donovan, tell us a little bit about why you chose this movie. So, um, I'm currently dating someone that has seen almost the entire catalog. That's one of my many fat butt cheeks falling over. <laughs> um, I'm currently dating somebody that has seen more Mel Brooks than she knows people in her own family tree. So, she got me into him. The only one I'd seen from Mel Brooks is um, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, And apparently that was not enough. I still got roasted in my own household by her and our other roommate. <laughs> so we sat down and we started watching Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, we rewatched Blazing Saddles because, ugh, so good. Guys, yeah. watch Blazing yeah. Saddles. Still holds up, promise. <laughs> it's a little cringy, but it holds up. And then we also have History of the World Part 1, which we watched first time 
extremely high. I was on yeah. some. I was on some. Yeah. I mean, it's also stuff. his raunchiest movie, though. Right? I think so like, too. Like, it doesn't have so much of the blatant N word as Blazing Saddles does. Yeah. But they drop some f bombs. Yeah. Oh, they drop some they hard. Drop hard. <laughs> some hard capitalized underline yeah. at least three times. Yeah. Else. Um, but it's yeah, it's a dope, super dope movie. Super funny. If if you if you enjoyed movies of that caliber, like Airplane mm-hmm. and any kind of Mel Brooks oh, in the yeah. '80s and early '90s, like this is. Uh, chef's it's funny kiss. too because I feel like this is a little bit of a in terms of Mel Brooks, this isn't his greatest movie. It's not his most revered movie. You know, I would I would say probably like Spaceballs or. Blazing Saddles or, or Men in Tights are more well-known, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm a big Brooks fan, by the way. Um, what? Like, I tell you, all the, all the books, uh, Silent Movie is probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> He's got a whole DVD compilation of all of them. And it's not even all of them. Like, it's so sad that I don't have all of them. That's false advertising. You should probably call that company. Get your money back. <laughs> I'll be there with you. I'll be your lawyer. I'm going to Johnny Cochran yeah. it up for oh, you. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of, like, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Oh, that's, that's, that, I've watched it only once, and I've already had my top five movies, like, picked out before watching Dracula Dead and Loving It, and Dracula Dead and Loving It was just, like, it was that person at the club that is so entitled and was, like, mm-hmm. I already have 12 grand in my pocket to drop on the, um, admit, ed, the, the entrance fee into the club, so he just pushed everybody out of the way and yeah. got to the front of the line, I want to go in! Like, yeah. that's what Dracula Dead and Loving yeah. It did to my top five movies. Mm-hmm. It easily made its way. So up good. there in the top five. It's so now good. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I'm in your boat, Donovan. I haven't seen all that many. I feel like I've watched Men in Tights 500 times on Comedy Central. Sure. <laughs> in different parts of it, but like, yeah, it's it's been really great to explore these Mel Brooks movies. Um, I enjoyed this, but I also didn't enjoy it as much as like some of his other comedies. And when I say that, I mean like. Uh, the uh, the breaking up into different segments. It wasn't one big story, and I get okay. that it couldn't be that for that movie. So I'm curious, how many other movies are like that, or is it just this one? It's pretty much just just this that one. one. Yeah, like Silent Movie has it doesn't have as many vignettes. It's more it's more of an overall story, but it's also broken up more than the other ones are with like scenes that are just to get a joke across. Right, like the scene is about them getting from here to there or learning some information. <laughs> right. But the whole thing is just one long joke to and get I, that information. And I think yeah. us three um, having an improv background, it was very, very funny yeah. to just be like, here's the opening sequence to it. It's going to be the cavemen. And then we once once you're through the movie, you start seeing that people are, yeah. are doing other roles besides well, just the cavemen roles they were in in the beginning. And for me... Uh, Mel Brooks, obviously watched a lot of Mel Brooks as a kid. Huge influence for me comedically. Yes. Right? And and then, like, from loving his movies, then I got turned on to, like, Madeline Kahn and Carl Reiner and Sid Caesar and all these great comics that I shouldn't know or be a fan of <laughs> just based on, like, my age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I'm a huge fan of them all. And, like, seeing... Sid Caesar as like head caveman, just dying. Like seeing that the, the first time made Sid Caesar seen. my dad. Yeah, the best like eye acting you've seen since Bane. You know, uh. <laughs> but the award for best breathing still goes to not Bane, Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader course. walks away with yes. best breathing in yes. the movie. Um, 
We're drinking here a little bit. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, History of the World Part One, and it's it's just like all of his movies are a send up of a specific genre, mm. right? Or a specific property. Like obviously, Spaceballs is making fun of Star Wars, but it's also making fun of sci fi adventures in general. All of them, right? yes. And I, this one, I, I would argue yeah. that the end of History of the World Part One, like <laughs> definitely parodied Star oh, Wars real oh, hard. What are you saying? Jews yeah. in space was not an original idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's yeah, History of the World Part One was all about the sword and sandals epics, you know, uh, Ben Hur and Spartacus and yeah, and and they even started with two thousand one. You know, like it's great. I just. The monkeys jacking off. Oh, that was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> I think it did great and appealed to our humor. Once again, through that improv background, right. uh, we'll take a we'll take a moment in history. In that moment of history, couldn't this possibly happen? And then they just embellished on it for another fifteen to twenty right. minutes, right. and now you got all you needed. And now take it back to watching a traditional theater show, uh, a theater sketch show. And going, here's the sketch. Here's the bit. Are you laughing? Yep. Don't keep laughing because here's the lights go out. Here they come back up, and now we're in Rome. <laughs> I was I was chatting with uh, my roommate Zach uh, as I was writing for this, trying to think about. AKA Zach, the IT guy. AKA Zach handles all the equipment. <laughs> AKA don't ask Zach for anything because he probably doesn't know. His idea usually is just, did you try plugging it back in? <laughs> and it works though. It works. it works every time, so we keep them. Um, but I, I was, like, breaking it down and, and thinking, like, okay, so a lot of these jokes are really just, like, we take a modern, uh, like, thought, a modern convenience, a modern thing, and transplant it into another world, right? <laughs> Putting it in a place it doesn't belong, whatever the fuck that's called. That has a name, but whatever, I don't, can't think of it right now, but whatever that's called. And, uh, and that's the whole movie, is ancient history or, like, human history spliced in with these more modern things. Most of. And so I was like, how can I do that? And so I, um, and then I was also thinking that my favorite parts of this movie were the blackouts, the moments of Moses dropping one of the tablets. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. That's, that's, it's good writing and good, um, it's it's good blending those ideas. Mm-hmm. It just it just made an instance. It made it took an instance. We got to see it for five to ten seconds, and it worked because it got yeah. straight to that bit yes. immediately. Yes. So that's what I have written today. Is awesome. I've got um, three or four maybe of these little vignettes <laughs> that are all just blackouts, <laughs> and. Um, I've got it cast as well. Um, so let's see. You guys might have it pulled up. It's got the most difficult title to come up with yet. History of the World Part 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is the only movie that I feel like we've done that like you can't name it anything else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they even told you what the name of the movie was going to be at the end of the first one to only not give you it. So yeah. Thank you, Mel Brooks, for leaving us the room to do this. (laughs) So, History of the World Part 2. I'll be doing all the stage directions. Donovan, you're going to be reading for Boss, Photographer, Crewman, and Survivor. Wait, 
Survivor or supervisor? Uh, supervisor, whatever. <laughs> I survived working as a normal uh, exactly. attendant. Now I'm a supervisor. And then, uh, Steve, you're going to be Columbus and announcer. Okay. Okay, and obviously announcer is yep. intended to still be um, whatever his name is. Decepticon. Oh, Orson Welles? Orson Welles. Decepticon. Decepticon. <laughs> I was about to say Megatron? <laughs> Omicron. Whatever the name of the planet was, right? Um <laughs> Cybertron? Cybertron. Wasn't he the voice of Cybertron? I don't know. It's been years. Anyways, yeah, the long, point is, long. you've been listening to Cybertron. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let's dive into it. This is History of the World Part 2. First one, title, Ancient China. A bottle of glue is squeezed and a gorilla falls out. The gorilla is placed on a stone wall and given a plaque to hold. The plaque reads, Great Wall of China. Boss smacks worker upside the head. You idiot! It's supposed to say "Good Wall of China." And <laughs> if you are listening at home and you have a drum set just sitting yeah. around, go ahead and get my man Chris Reeves yeah. that rim shot. You gotta get that gorilla glue going. Okay. I hate you. <laughs> Part two, title: Pizza. A dog chews on the end of a stick. A hand comes in and shoes away the dog. Hey, shoo! The dog scurries away and the photographer picks up the stick, attaches it to a tripod, and sets it up on some grass overlooking the Tower of Pisa, a tall, straight structure. He puts his camera on top of the tripod and peers through it, putting the hood over his head. We see through the camera lens that the whole image is tilted slightly. (laughs) The photographer stands back and looks at his tripod, noticing one of the legs has been worn slash eaten down more than the others. He lets out a frustrated harumph and runs to the tower and pushes it with all his might. The tower doesn't budge. He runs at it full speed while carrying a long stick. It doesn't budge. He takes one of those Olympic hammers that's basically just like a ball on a rope and you swing it around and throw it. And he flings it at the top of the tower and it doesn't budge. Tired, he leans on the tower to rest, causing the whole tower to tilt slightly. (laughs) (laughs) He runs back to his camera and takes a picture of what appears to be a straight tower in a world (laughs) that's slightly askew. I just please point out that you wrote that entire description about the ball attached to the chain that he threw on the computer that has the same capabilities of just going on Google, typing that same sentence in and getting the name of it. I just want, nothing big, nothing big. Just, I just had some notes and that was my note. That was my note. Don't even worry about me. I ain't got nothing else to say. Part three, the discovery of America. Oh, and um, this is written really silly, but just know that these characters are supposed to be Italian. Yep. Okay. Crewman, and, <laughs> crewman enters a small hut to see Columbus sitting at a desk, writing. and Captain Columbus, you forgot to see this. Columbus follows crewman outside to see a Native American standing and holding a wrapped item. They call it a base. The Native American pulls back a flap to reveal a pencil and paper maze. Crewman uh, continues to move down the line, revealing another Native American holding a wrapped item. And, uh, this is a word search. The Native American pulls back the flap to reveal a page with a jumble of letters. It, if examined closely enough, the words uh, corn, reservation, and genocide can clearly be seen. <laughs> <laughs> the crewman continues down the line, and we see yet another Native American. The crossword. word! The flap is pulled back, and we see a New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> Sudoku <laughs> Another flap reveals a Sudoku puzzle. B.C. Ah. Yet another flap reveals a B.C. comic strip. 
And this one. Enough! <laughs> I like it anymore. Let's murder them and take all of it as our own. That uh, seems wrong, sir. Columbus strikes crewman with the back of his hand. Don't are you a question to me? We won't erase them. We'll name a state after them and sell a butter with their picture on it. <laughs> a butter? Isn't it a kind of Dutch, sir? Columbus backhands crewman with his other hand. Don't you question me! <laughs> Columbus goes back to his desk, sits okay. down, and puts his feet up and lights a cigar. Oh, when did you get a that? Uh? Cuba. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope if you guys find this 20 years down the line and I have a bigger career than I do now, uh, you know, forgive me. <laughs> It's fine to make fun of Italians. They're, they're <laughs> colonizers and, and murderers. <laughs> we coming well, after I, you. I, I want to say, I think that all of what we're writing is we're writing it in the style of what would be <laughs> yes. in a Mel Brooks movie. This is very and, Mel Brooks. Yeah. And obviously there are some, you know, social injustice flaws in his movies at times. But, Shortened up problematic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys have such a big can't deal just with throw it. the can't just throw the word genocide in a script and think nobody's going to talk about it. That's the idea. You better notice it. <laughs> Call Columbus out. He's a piece of shit. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> next part. I don't know what number it is. Industrial Revolution. Factory floor. A conveyor belt shuttles car parts while workers take parts off the conveyor, make attachments to them, and replace them. Nineteen thirteen. Henry Ford creates the assembly line. The items on the assembly line start to come quicker than the workers can make the adjustments, and soon the workers are pulling parts off the assembly line to prevent them from reaching the end without their attachments. Excuse me. The supervisor enters. Good job, boys. Okay, speed it up. The conveyor belt keeps moving quicker and quicker. More parts come down the line. Close-up of worker. The worker, with surprise expression, Spits out several <laughs> chocolate balls. <laughs> the end. Uh, I love this sketch. <laughs> That's great. Uh, GTFO, Chris Reeves. <laughs> First off, that was fantastic. Oh, as soon as you said assembly line in this, I immediately yeah. thought... I love this scene. 100%. <laughs> Didn't read down further because that's not my job. Yeah, you, you, I, knew, it. you knew it immediately. Oh, bro. That's so... <laughs> yeah, once again, very Mel Brooks-ish. Uh, I feel like he... Also, Mel Brooks is one of those writers and actors that, from what I, from what I know and heard and looked up, actually would take responsibility for the things he was saying, mm-hmm. making jokes about, and went to what I would say the right people for it when he was writing Blazing Saddles he was not alone in that well, Richard yeah, Pryor had much to do with that when he was originally going to star in it too. yeah and it was like a week before shooting maybe like three days before shooting he had this major accident and couldn't do the movie but you know as, like that's uh, that's crazy that's yeah. insane that, yeah. that was nuts but it was also very nuts but also I would say beneficial that he was like, I'm going to be there for the writer's room. I'm looking at these things. You ain't just going to say, you ain't, you, first off, you ain't just going to say nigga without having some <laughs> shit behind it, all right? Yeah. 
First, all right, you first gonna have these little old white people saying it. I get the time period, mm -hmm. but damn it, you better have a purpose. And fourth of all, it better be funny. I skip numbers. Don't. It's all right, fine. I'm it's not fine. number dyslexic. It's I just fine. feel like it. Don't <laughs> um, tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, that was the goal. The goal was quick blackouts in the style of a Mel Brooks. I, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for indulging, especially <laughs> especially my making fun of Italian. Columbus. <laughs> uh, to all of my Italian friends, I mean, um, let's be honest. Yeah. He, he deserves it. He deserves it. <laughs> he, he deserves it. Uh, I like the gorilla glue. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> good wall of China. <laughs> See, here's the thing. And Christopher Reeves was telling 100% the truth in the beginning, but he said that uh, his, he has some influence from Mel Brooks and that comedy style is kind of his. Like, if I didn't watch this movie, I wouldn't have said, oh my God, that's such a Mel Brooks. Now. I would have been like, that's classic Reeves. <laughs> There's right now a computer mouse and a fake mousetrap set up in their house right now where I'm shooting this podcast just so they can say they have mice. <laughs> well, mouse. Mouse. <laughs> One mouse. <laughs> other, other, other mice to be determined. <laughs> that was definitely a Chris Rivas oh. line, which I did. You know what? Uh, it's slightly close to a Mel, to a Mel Brooks line. Perfect. Uh, also today, let it be known, like while looking over my part for this whole thing, I multiple times wrote and said out loud Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, so I had to That's make sure to different. triple read this to make sure I didn't put Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like the opposite of Mel Brooks. He hates Mel Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you know you shouldn't like Mel Gibson if yeah. you don't like Mel Brooks. What, what, who didn't hug you? Exactly. Like, come on, what part exactly. of communism are you a part of? Exactly. We dare you to watch a movie and not smile. Yeah. Dare you, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I put stacks on that, stacks on stacks on stacks to make sure you don't laugh at Franken at Young yeah. Frankenstein. Good thing about Mel Brooks, it's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. <laughs> um, good line, problematic part of the movie where he had to say it, but um, oh, so funny, so funny, so funny. Oh my god! So that was history of the world part two. <laughs> Steve, why don't you take us away? And what is yours called? Sure. Mine is called History of the World Part 2. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, but my section, I have... Very uh, unoriginal, Steve. Grady. Very unoriginal. Uh, mine is called... Uh, the, the code name that I used is uh, Sockdologizing, okay. which... Can you uh, use it in a sentence? I, I will. In okay. This. okay. <laughs> Look, man, I didn't... I didn't come up with these fucking old ass words, all right? I'm just reading what was in a play. The reason why that word is important is because that was the code word to be like, uh, that John Wilkes Booth knew that there was going to be a big laugh coming in the show so that he could shoot okay. him in the head. Okay. Um, okay. Huh. So for this, uh, first off, I would imagine that this movie would have taken place in like the early 90s. Okay. So like everybody. Like 10 years later. Yeah. Everybody's like still acting, still. Yeah. In the prime, um, so uh, for John Wilkes Booth, uh, Donovan, you'll be playing him, but you'll be playing him as Gene Wilder. Uh, One of my so, so I casted, I casted this as well. Um, Samuel Arnold is Mel Brooks, but Chris, you will be playing okay. that. Uh, Abraham Lincoln is Dom DeLuise, and I will be playing that. R.I.P. Uh, to yeah. one of my dead dads, Dom DeLuise. And, and if you have never seen anything with 
Dom DeLuise in it. He's truly phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, so he's, he's his a best big role guy. is the cat in yeah. the American Tale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's. he's bowie, bowie, bark, bark. <laughs> Goddamn. The best way. I could describe him as that he's he's a real big ham. He's a big um, ham. Literally a uh, So, uh, Robert E. Lee will be played by Richard Lewis, <laughs> uh, which will be Chris. Okay. Uh, Thaddeus Armstrong, who is a reporter for the Washington Herald, uh, will be played by Greg Hines. Uh, call him back to the first, uh-huh. first one. Uh, Donovan, you'll be playing that role. Oh, and just for fun, because I didn't know who to put as this part, uh, Sid Caesar will be playing the photographer. Oh, I see we have the same character. (laughs) (laughs) And that'll be played by you, Chris. All right. I'll I'll also do the stage directions. Let me... uh... Hydrate, people. It is 88 degrees here in jolly old Chicago. Sam Arnold. (laughs) Isn't he a quarterback? Sam Arnold? Yeah. Sam Darnold. Oh, the hell are you, dude? Dumb name. <laughs> Darnold. All right. Low-key Chris Reeves left the Packers. Go. Keep going. Exterior, Ford Theater, night. John Wilkes Booth and Sam Arnold are hiding behind the side of the theater, looking at the crowd as they file inside. Okay, okay. He should be coming by any moment now. Do you want me to go over the plan again? I got it. I got it. When you say the foul word, I'll... Sockdologizing. Yes. Sockdologizing. Sick dogleg is suckdologizing. Yes, that. When I hear that word, bam! Right through the honesty large temple of his. There he is! He's coming! He's coming! We pan over towards the front of the theater. At first, the theater looks modest and of its time. But as we pan towards the front, we see an extravagant Hollywood movie premiere set up in front of the theater. Big spotlights cross upon the marquee in front of the long red carpet. We see a stretch carriage the size of four carriages combined pull up to the red carpet. Enjoy Enjoy the show, Mr. President. Tonight. The curtain won't be the only thing to fall. The South will rise again. Uh, John Wilkes Booth leaves. Uh, Sam Arnold sees Mary Todd get out of the carriage. She drops her clutch and bends over to pick it up, focusing on Mary Todd's behind. Sam Arnold looks directly at the camera. Looks like the South isn't the only thing rising again. (laughs) Cut to Lincoln's entrance. We, we see the door of the carriage uh, open, and uh, Lincoln's hat starts to peek out slowly, and then it sharply retreats back in. And then this whack-a-ball happens a couple more times until his face pops out with a big cheesy smile. He struts out of the carriage to fanfare place. I'm imagining like Hollywood, yes. Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> he bows and takes his hat off, indirectly showing off the inside of the hat. When he stands up from his bow, he stops and looks in the hat. He reaches in and pulls out a dove. The crowd <laughs> cheers and the dove flies away. Lincoln has a very arrogant and cocky attitude. He's walking through the carpet, addressing people. People are screaming, people uh, from behind the rope, trying to get an autograph. Hello, hello, yes, I have arrived. Yes, of course I'll sign that. Yes, of course I'll kiss that baby. That's a beautiful, beautiful baby. I mean it. <laughs> Would I lie to you? 
<laughs> Big laugh from the crowd. Lincoln sees Robert E. Lee walking on the red carpet. Hey, 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 folks, watch this. Hey, Robbie, loser of the war says what? What? Ah, Lincoln and the crowd laugh uncontrollably. Ah, what a dweeb. Hey, Bobby boy, I got news for you. Check your tickets again because your seats have succeeded all the way to the back row. <laughs> Robert E. Lee looks his tickets and groans. Lincoln continues to walk down the carpet. He is stopped by Thaddeus Armstrong, a reporter for the Washington Herald. Oh, Mr. President, Mr. President, can I ask you a few questions? I don't know. Can you? (laughs) Good one, Mr. President. How many speculated... Many have speculated that you are unsure whether you were in favor to abolish slavery. Care to comment? Ah, once again, the press has twisted my words. You must be careful printing words with fabrication. You little rascal, you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Look, we've abolished it. Pretty sure that's a clear indication on where I stand. Our forefathers said all men are created equal. So, you know... Mr. President, can we bother you for a picture? Of course, of course. Lincoln turns deadpan and freezes for the picture. Well, then what about the rumors that you only freed the slaves you could force them to fight in, so you could force them to fight in the war? <laughs> or reports that you plan to sell all slaves to Brazil. <laughs> Your poll numbers are still surprisingly high from slave owners. <laughs> Will they have any influence on how you plan to tackle this segregation? (laughs) We also have reports of you supporting ethnic cleansing. What are your plans for Camp Douglas, a concentration camp where you install for uh, captured natives? All right, we got him, Mr. President. Oh, sorry, kid. I'm out of time. I really got to get in there before General Grant gets to the bar. Hey, Ambrose Burnside, don't stand too close to that candle or that big stash will give your face sideburns. <laughs> get it? <laughs> I want to push you. I want to push you so bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, interior, Ford Theater, night. The curtain rises. Sam Arnold stands center stage. For today is the day I shall ask my dearest Penelope for her hand. Surely I have curried her favor by now. Hey, pal, why don't you curry our favor and speak a little louder, huh? (laughs) Am I right or am I right? (laughs) Uh, Sam takes a second, regroups, and says his next line. Love is a play, and we are all its actors. And like a wise man once said, there are no small parts only small actors. Well, from up here, it looks like they couldn't have picked a smaller one. <laughs> Ain't I just great? <laughs> Frustration falls over Sam's face. He looks up and sees John Wilkes Booth standing behind Lincoln in the balcony. Sam smiles. Don't know the manners of good society, eh? Well, I guess I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal. You suck old man trip. 
the crowd and Lincoln laugh loudly. Uh, John Wilkes Booth fires the gun, but it jams. He hits it on the side, and it seems to do the trick. He re-aims the gun at Lincoln, but Lincoln's laughter subsides. He takes off his hat and reaches it behind to put it on the coat rack behind him. Instead, he puts it on John Wilkes Booth's gun. Uh, John Wilkes Booth makes a, oh, come on, face. Sam Arnold is on stage nervously waiting for a bang. Okay, like I said, I know enough to turn you inside out, you old suckdologizing man trap. Everyone laughs again, but not as loudly. John Wilkes Booth intensifies his aim, but his arm gets knocked back because Lincoln relaxes his hands behind his head. Anger pours over Sam Arnold's face. Don't know the manners of good society, eh? Well, I guess I know enough to turn you out, old gal. You suckdologizing old man trap. The crowd is silent. Now you will pay for destroying this great nation. Hey, buddy, just because you forget the rest of your lines doesn't mean you got to keep saying the one you know over and over again. Huge laughs pour from out the theater. (laughs) Screw it. Will you just shoot him already? (laughs) A loud bang rings through the theater. The crowd is in a frenzy. We pan up and see John Wilkes Booth holding a smoking gun and laughing maniacally. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha 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 Um, high five, bro. I think I think you've done it again. Uh, <laughs> I'm asking if Steve Grani will change all of his names on social media and everywhere on the internet to Sockdologizer uh-huh. right now. Uh, that was, again, I think a perfect thing that would fit into History of the World. And you know, fuck it. Let's just make History of the World Part 2. We'll combine all this shit. Let's, let's go. We already got like four to five sketches right now, Uh and when we get to me, I'm like, you know, I got a trailer for the whole thing with some other sketches. You got a trailer for the whole thing? Dude, I have a trailer for the whole thing. Oh, but what's your thing called? Oh, let me get into it. Let me me tell you about the great movie that we hope to make out of this called History of the World, Part 2. Wow, that's a great title. (laughs) Unique, never heard it before. 100% Unique came up with it on my own. You should come up with movie titles. (laughs) Oh, I'll do it. Um, I'm even working on... Hey, Hollywood, why don't you hire this man to make up the names for your movie titles? Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't think I I got Sharknado 7 sitting in the trunk right now, bro. Wait, have there been six? Yeah. What is wrong with us? <laughs> there has been six sharks. That's like five too many. <laughs> it was all too many. But we'll kill to see Al Roker get eaten by a shark. And before that, him hit a shark with a baseball bat and then laugh about it. It's pretty great. It was a, it was a pretty great moment for cinema. They, I just think they ran out of money. They're just like, what else do we have the money for? And Al Roker did not cost yeah. that much. Like, oh, my God. We could, he could take time for being a weatherman slash dude that sits outside that and talks many. to young, underage people. I can't believe there were that many Sharknadoes. Yeah. Each one as like stupid or ridiculous oh as the next. They keep the formula. 
the yeah. entire time. There's no Sharknado that is really that different. Dude, there's been like seven Saw movies. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Fast and the Furious is on movie eight, dude. Yeah. Very soon yeah. the cars are going to be fighting the Dragon Ball so, Z universe. So what you're saying is we have a future in the movie business because we can come up with shitty sequels just as fast as anybody else. In the words I of, think sometimes better. <laughs> in the words of Steve Grande, Hollywood. We're making movies in Hollywood. I will say this. Before we get into years, I really appreciate how well you wrote for those actors as well. Oh, of course. I like, mean, I, like I you, love you, them. I look you, up to them. You had Dom DeLuise down. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all these these characters themselves were funny, but I, I can just picture that actor and yeah. how much more elevated it would be, you know, beyond just us reading it like that. You hear that, oh. Hollywood? So if you're looking for someone to do the Dom DeLuise biopic, <laughs> <laughs> Steve Grande reach has on time. out. <laughs> His agent, Donovan Mulling, says that Steve Grande has the time. We will make that time. Drop that dough. Drop that dough. I believe Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder would totally give an applause for you making him John Wilkes Booth. He would. He, that, that's his starring role. He didn't want well, to be in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. He wanted to be John Wilkes Booth. The reason, the reason why I picked him is that because I think he would look the best. Stay Like, I started by the end. And him standing up there yeah. with the gun, I'm like, yeah, of course it's Gene Wilder. Like, he would look the fucking craziest. But now look me in the eyes and tell me, is he shooting with this hand or this hand? <laughs> <laughs> the shaking one, definitely. <laughs> that's a shooting hand. That, that's would, a that would be great. That's the perfect bit for a podcast, by the way. <laughs> a complete visual gag. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's up, that's, that's why I decided to choose the shaking one, so all of you would know. <laughs> and if you still don't get it, watch Blazing Saddles. Yes, yes. Get on that. Uh, oh my God. Okay, Donovan, take us through History of the World Part Two. So I am very grateful to be at a table with two people that wrote bits and sketches that are, that are very telling of the the story progression of the History of the World Part One. I took it to heart when one of the things you guys said I could write was a trailer. Yes. All right. And the history of the part one trailer, history of the world part one trailer was so funny. I'm like, I think I can do one. I think I can do this. Yeah, go for it. Um, we're going to have, we're, we're going to have um, three main characters happening. I'm going to explain the bits that are going to go within this trailer. And this trailer legit has a beginning and an end. The explanations, I hope you'll be able to close your eyes and see them as well as yeah. I wrote them. Okie dokie. Um, this is cast as, you will see a player called Max that will be, um, see, I almost said Mel Gibson <laughs> right then and there. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Max, uh, Max is known um, in real life as Mel Brooks' son. So Max, you will be playing Max Brooks. Okay. Um, Steve, I will need you to play Mel. And there is a servant in here that he will be explained where he came from if you also seen History of the World Part 1. But I will play the servant and I will read stage direction. All right. Uh, uh, morning outside of Mel Brooks's house. Mel Brooks, son of Max Brooks, son of Mel Brooks, is banging on, front, on the front door. The door is then opened by the royal servant who brought in the soldiers <laughs> in his, uh, History of the World Part 1. Quick, I have to talk to my dad. Is he home? His funniest is still in slumber in his sleeping quarters. What is your business? Eternal morning inside Mel Brooks' house. Max 
pushes over the servant and runs upstairs. When he gets upstairs and sees a door labeled, it's good to be the king. <laughs> Humble, weird. isn't he? Internal mourning. Inside Mel Brooks's bedroom, Max bursts through the door to see a sleeping Mel Brooks bundled in comforters. Dad, you gotta wake up. History of the World Part 2 is starting. Mel turns still under the comforters. There, there is no Part 2. Uh, that was just a bit from the Part 1. Mel turns back over. That was only because you couldn't get Hitler on ice. Well, we got it. A full 15-minute bit with ice skating, full chorus, marching Nazis, and some guy named Michael Bay slash Quentin Tarantino says we can make the head explode. Just like we wanted. Mel, Mel rips the comforters off and stands up. Fine. Just for Hitler on ice. They walk downstairs to the front door. I have to warn you, a lot of things have changed since part one. Besides the Holocaust, the blacks are fighting for civil rights. Jews in space is still a go. The Mayan calendar gave us a scare in 2000. A tall Oompa Loompa is president, and there is this thing called cancel call. Look, I'm sure it'll be fine. We, uh, we know way too many funny people. Mel grabs the handle of the front door. Max stops him from opening the door. Then he hands Mel a face mask. You're going to need this. Mel opens the door, and a bright light shines through the door. Over the horizon, we see the words, History of the World, zooms in and takes up the screen. And we're bringing back, ladies and gentlemen, the narrator from History of the World, Part 1. Off screen, you'll hear him say, History of the World, Part 2. Now, with science, the word science will display across the screen. We're going to cut to my first bit. My first bit is going to be talking about the Industrial Revolution, but I'm doing it in the style of a science fair. Okay. The people that will be in this one will be people such as Bill Nye, the science guy, uh-huh. and Mel Brooks will be playing somewhat one of the judges. Um, during the Industrial Revolution, doing some research back on this, um, there were a type of people that would protest all the machines being built and sort of replacing workers in the factories. They will be called Luddites. And as soon as I read that one, I'm like, who best to like, rally a bunch of people to beat up machines and then say, no change! Change is bad! Ah! Then Seth Rogen. So, <laughs> Seth Rogen's gonna play this insane Luddite that's gonna come in, beat up stuff, beat up machines, and then run away. Uh, we have that bit, and then we're gonna cut to, we're gonna cut to the narrator again. Even more action! We're gonna see action show up on the screen, and then we're gonna cut to our World War One slash World War Two scene, which will involve Hitler on ice. And yes. I could think, I'm, guys, I wanted to come to you towards the end of this. Who is your number one person to play Hitler? Ooh. That would be ice skating. Hitler uh, ice skating. I don't, I don't know. I, all I picture is like the allies trying to shoot at him, but his sick ice skating moves keep dodging all the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal my answer from a, a TV show that I saw. There's these shows, the show called uh, Historical Roasts, and they roasted Hitler, and Hitler was played by Gilbert Godfrey. So now every time I think of Hitler being played by someone, I imagine it's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. We have that. Um, also part of the World War One, World War One, World War Two scene is going to be a little pick at you know society itself. So one of the main lines that the president, who will be played by Mel Brooks, mind you, each time, yep. he will, he, there will be the line said, gosh, 
we will never be this way again after World War One. And then World War Two kicks off, and he's like, what the hell did I just say? Because it's going to be a quick take from World War One to D-Day of World War Two. Oh, my God. The narrator's going to then say... Does it cut to the future where he's, uh, like, a former president, and now Trump isn't? He's like, what did I just say? Coming up, buddy. <laughs> The narrator's going to come back after that World War One and World War Two scene happen and go, even more spectacle. The word spectacle is going to show up on the screen. And then there you will see the Hitler on Ice scene happen in which you, Hitler will have, there was going to be a whole song. Picture, if you've seen History of the World Part One, the, um, the Spanish Inquisition scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the whole thing, but it's going to be all on ice skates. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. It was so magical thinking the about third it. Rack, <laughs> to town, the Third Reich. Coming to town, we're the Third Reich. Blitzkrieg, that frown. Now, I imagine that going down with a double axle somersault happening from Hitler being caught by a bunch of dudes in Nazi uniforms. Um, then the narrator comes back in, and now, in the future. And we're going to cut to the White House. It's going to be a White House scene. Oh, the words, my God. It's 2020 will be in plain white text in the bottom center of the screen for a moment, and then it'll go away. The 2020 scene will happen in one of the lines that will 100% be in this shot, which is going to be a reoccurring callback throughout every bit. Every sketch will be, what do you mean we still have racists <laughs> in 2020? After that scene goes, we have the words, History of the World, Part 2, zooms in, and then the narrator starts giving out all the additional titles <laughs> added on to History of the World, Part 2, going as, History of the World, Part 2, The Reckoning, Second Coming, History of Two, Two History of Two Worlds, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo, On Mars, The Search for More Comedic Actors for This Movie, The Final Ride. Mel Brooks will then interrupt the announcer and go, all right, all right. They got it already. <laughs> in space, assuming the love protecting the Hebrew race. This is the World Part 2 trailer. Coming out 2021, we are prepared for as many criticisms on the internet as possible. I think we combine them all. This was brilliant. (laughs) I I totally see both of your guys' sketches. Even the blackout was like all in this movie. um, Hitting points, hitting time periods that I didn't hit. Oh, yeah. and that's a that's a clean ninety minutes there. <laughs> I retract the word clean, but um, it's gonna be a at home for a tight twenty. <laughs> yeah, I think a tight twenty is more realistic. Yeah. Um, one of the other, uh, <laughs> one of the other scenes that I have written in here is oh. a act is a moment in the civil rights during the civil rights moments of the early nineties, um, and. I have an entire cast, some not comedians, some comedians of all of all different types that are going to be in this civil rights scene within History of the World Part Two. Some of these people include Obama. Like I think Obama should just be like Obama should be there. There's going to be some bits for him. Tiffany Haddish because she's literally in everything. I believe some characters in movies could remove their face and you'll just find Tiffany Haddish in it. Tiffany Haddish out. is everywhere. One that. up for her. Chris Rock. Will Smith and Steve Harvey. Having <laughs> Oh my god. Those people in the civil rights movement in a Mel Brooks like movie. I can see so perfectly 
Steve Harvey in in one of the like. There's no other way to describe it than a Steve Harvey suit, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> He, oh, doesn't, he, he doesn't wear the clothes. No, yeah, yeah. You know, he goes to sleep in a suit. 100%. He makes sure his tie is loose so he can breathe. Everyone's, marching, suit. On, everyone's marching on Selma, and there's Steve Harvey looking like a banana. <laughs> but here's the question for you. Is it, Steve, is it bald Steve Harvey currently, or is it going to be Steve Harvey with the unrealistically straight tape line that he had for his hair? Ooh. Ooh. I think, I think, mod, I think fa- uh, Family Feud Steve Harvey. Is the one thought you were gonna drop a fat bomb again because you seem to like, is no one fit to you, wow, Chris Reeves? I just need fat Steve Harvey. I don't give a shit what he's wearing or what his hair looks like. I just know he wears a size 46 waist pants. Chris Reeves loves people of all sizes, colors, shapes, and I do the bigger the better. <laughs> They're my favorite. <laughs> Jesus, as Donovan slurps his uh, slim fast milkshake. Would you, would you say that they're fantastic? <laughs> I'm sorry, fantastic. And before Chris Rebus is canceled, I just need to figure out are we saying F fat or are we saying PH fat? Because I would love to be PH fat as well as Steve Harvey always being Every, PH fat. Everyone is PH fat. Of course, PH fat means like more acidic or basic, right? <laughs> Your PH level of fat is PH. <laughs> Oh, this is so stupid. Um, <laughs> what, your, your comments towards oh, uh, overweight people or yeah, this no. History of well, War Part 2 movie we're going to be Okay, shooting. okay. Um, no, this, is, this has been so wonderful. I really, I think this is maybe one of the most successful shows yet in terms of like all three of us really like capturing, capturing the sense of that original. And I think that I could very clearly see all three of these combining very easily to being the actual sequel. It's still you know? Rona season, like, baby. I'm still locked in my house unless I'm going to work. So um, let me know, bro. Let's get the writing. Let's put this up. I'm down. And he may need a hearing aid and we may need to like stand directly in front of him. And maybe he won't be on set due to <laughs> him being 94 years old. Can you imagine? But Mel Brooks would like, want to hear about this. Like wishful thinking. But if we could put together a short video that's like realistically five ten minutes long um and just like on youtube and that if he ever saw it and like here's the fan version of history of the world part two yeah. like that would just that would really like make my day make 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 make, make <laughs> that, my year make my he, life you know what i mean saw some of your art for yeah. a change <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> We should give that man what he wants. He wanted Hitler on ice, and he wanted Jews in space. You know what? We need I, to give it to at him. At this point, I would take Max Brooks looking at this. <laughs> that would make me happy. I could see him face palming and shaking his head like, oh, this uh-huh. is who he influenced. Yeah, this is what happened. His mohawk is just flopping back and forth. <laughs> Does he have a mohawk? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. No, he's too old for a mohawk. Yeah, and Max I did just Brooks? put an age limit on a mohawk. Mm. Max Brooks? Mm. He's Wait. like in his 30s, dude. 30s... Unless you're a punk rocker. If you're over the age of 30, you do not need a mohawk. Have you seen Max Brooks? He looks like a punk rocker. <laughs> does he do Does he do punk rock? I don't think he does. Because I see him I as an like, actor and play. You're listening to the Max Brooks podcast. No, um... <laughs> Shout out Max Brooks for rocking a mohawk after 30. I'm just mad that I can't do one. <laughs> um, proud of you, Max. <laughs> Law, you man. Uh, all I'm saying is, this has been wonderful. And I could riff on more till the cows come home. 
but we ain't got no cows to come home. So, <laughs> unless you're just talking about other fat people. Is that not a fat person? <laughs> you, you looked me in the windows of my soul and said that, and I don't know if you're, you meant Well, you it. are wearing a black and white shirt. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> my self-esteem is lowered, but I had a great time as it lowered. <laughs> uh, Donovan, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know we're in a very strange, weird time. Is there anything... Uh, that you'd like to plug or, or if, if you want people to uh, if people want to follow you in your art how can they follow you maybe on social media or something like that uh, very much very much um, Donovan Mullins you can look me up on Facebook Instagram Donovan D. Mullins is how you find me on Instagram um, Donovan D. Mullins does have a movie out it's it's not on Netflix. They did not pick my movie for Netflix. We submitted it to Netflix, and Netflix gave us the middle finger and sent us the movie back. Ooh. But um, I do have it on Amazon Prime. If you are a Prime member and giving Jeff Bezos that thirteen ninety nine a month, which I hate doing, but fuck him. Um, yeah, but you also get free shipping, so I don't see you doing that, Netflix. <laughs> You were like, fuck this, I'm not sending you DVDs anymore. <laughs> For you to put in your Xbox that you have to download an app yeah. to even watch a movie on. Uh, uh, Donovan Mullins does have a movie on Amazon Prime, free to Amazon Prime members, $2.99, $3.99 maybe. Um, if you are not a member, it's called Always a Grind. It is my first major motion picture that I did in Florida before I moved up here. Um, Joel Bentacourt is director. I had... A slew of very funny, very talented, and very hardworking actors and crew that put in time for it. So if you have the time, always a grind on Amazon Prime. Take a look at it. And then when you're done looking at it, maybe look at it again. Make a drinking game out of it. And then when you're done drinking yourself stupid, just leave it on in the background. Let it get the views. Come on. You, you absolutely can make a drinking game out of it. Oh, I, I will say that. You uh, totally can. <laughs> Every time you know that that drone that is flown in the beginning and multiple parts of the movie was rented, take a drink. Right. By the way, it was always rented. Oh, it was rented. It, was it seemed rented. like it was owned because it was the only thing doing any shots. <laughs> Yo, we put in work. I'm going to let you know right now, we had a very low budget for this movie. Um, we did the artist thing. We found places that, you know, um, at night. So doing we it right, you, dude. We did. Uh, grinding. Do, doing it. <laughs> always grinding, baby. Um, shooting at night, we put in a whole lot of work putting it together. The um, script itself was written by Joel Bentacourt, but then went on as he got the actors in there, started to hear the people read for it. He was like, guys, he, he got two really good improvisers, myself and Melissa. Wow, Melissa Gonzalez, um, who's recently married. I forgot your last married name. I'm sorry. But Melissa Gonzalez, she's uh, another great improviser, put in some really good funny bits with me. Um, a lot of lines came out. He didn't expect it, but he, you can hear him sometimes laughing and wetting himself in some of the shots um, <laughs> where we got to improvise some stuff in and pep up some of his writing. But the whole movie was great. It was a fun experience. Um, always a grind. Check it out. Awesome. And yeah, check out Donovan. Follow him. I know for a fact that is, as quarantine subsides, you're going to see more projects coming out of this very, very talented friend of mine. Way too many. I have way too many sketches written, and everyone that I know is in it. It's so much. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be knocking at your door, standing outside your window with a boombox going, Would you read my script? Will you read my script? Uh, perfect. Um, well, yeah, this has been a blast, but uh, I actually I got to run, you guys, because some hobbitists took our precious, and we need it back. 
Oh, well, that reminds me, I gotta run. Uh, before my place was overthrown, I hid my fortune in one of 12 chairs. <laughs> and, now, and now I have to go through the countryside to find which one has my fortune. I guess since everyone has a reason to leave, well, I definitely gotta run. My daughter had took a trip to Paris and then was kidnapped. She had me on the phone the entire time, and I got to talk to the kidnapper a little bit, and I told him that I will find him, and I will kill him, and I don't go back on my promises.